There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I am Emma. And I am Gabby. And we are both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Hey. Hey, guys. Feeling a bit muted today. You That's feeling a bit the muted. final count. What do you mean? Muted by... Muted your, by your microphone. Oh, no, not my microphone. If the red button's flashing, Emma, just press it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, podcaster jokes. Oh, um, are you sad because it's our last episode? Yeah, I am sad because it's our yeah, last episode. No, We've done four series of this. It is quite mad. It's quite mad. Yeah. Where does the time go? It feels like we started yesterday. It does, yeah. I, To be honest, I was thinking about when we were doing like real hardcore lockdown recording when we like mm. basically couldn't leave the house. Yeah. Um, we're not doing that, are we? No, no, no. Do you mean like it was just it was quite a nice thing to be doing in lockdown? I suppose. Yeah, series three. I think series three was like quite a nice kind of lockdown. Yeah, like quite but, chilled. Yeah. Well, maybe for our next season, we can actually get together again. Oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? John's talking about building me a studio in the garden. Oh, well, in that yeah. case, I'll be right over with a bottle of rosé. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? He's just giving me a hard look. <laughs> Why is he giving me a hard look? Uh, John, she's told everyone now you're going to have to do it. Yeah. I told him he's got to have it done by October. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, yeah, guys, it's our last episode. It um, is. It is. We're all very sad, but in a way, happy. In a way, happy. But, you know, it's not the end. It's, it's just it's just a segue into something else until we start the new one. It's au revoir, not adieu. So um, should, should we talk about this week's episode? Should we? Yeah, or should we talk about ourselves? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Let's talk about me. Whatever about the episode. Um, I am good. I'm quite busy at work, which I'm kind of enjoying. Do you know that when you're like, phew, yeah. phew, phew. Just, yeah, just, I do know that. Yeah, because I'm the same, which is funny because it's August, which is traditionally yeah, not exactly. a very busy well, that, time. That is the thing that's quite annoying me because I'm like, I did want to take a little bit of holiday at some point, guys. Mm. But um, yeah. I'm, I'm going on holiday this weekend. You fucking bitch. Why would you rub to. that in like that? Sorry, pal. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad segue. <laughs> uh, you are going on holiday this weekend. I am not, but I am welcoming the lovely Sophie to my home. So... Are you? Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> she's coming down for one a little time one nighter. Fucking holiday. Well, that teaches you for not, you know, don't go on holiday, mate. Yeah, it does. Te- it teaches me a lot of life lessons. <laughs> no, you should go on holiday and you'll have a lovely time. Okay. Yes. Okay. Indeed. Um, my work is fun Um, at the moment. There's a lot of, tell you who we've been talking about a lot. And this is going to be a UK listeners only reference, oh. I'm afraid. Oh, oh, but if oh. you are not from the UK, Google it because it is genuinely quite funny. Is Geronimo. Geronimo. Do you know about Geronimo? Uh, I don't think I do. Geronimo is an alpaca. Oh, the alpaca. Yeah. 
Yes, I do know about Geronimo. Yeah, so for, for those who don't. Yeah, fill them in. I mean, this is strictly non-infertility subject, but it's make, it's like, I'll tell you why it's making me laugh in a bit. Um, he is an alpaca who has been diagnosed with bovine TB. Bovine TB is a disease that kills thousands of cattle a year. Cattles? Cattle. Um, generally, the government's stance is to cull them, basically. Mm, yeah. um, and also any badgers. It likes culling yes. badgers because it reckons they carry bovine TB. Um, it's there's there's debate about this. Geronimo's because it's August. Geronimo is like a big story, and everyone is absolutely divided about Geronimo. Oh wait, I wonder if we're divided. Um, well, I don't want to say my view because I don't want complaints. Oh, because wow. it is it's dividing families. It's basically the Brexit of our times. <laughs> Can I just say that um, alpacas slash llamas are one of my favourite animals? Okay, and so you're also you're... I'm very clearly in one camp. But you're Geronimo pro-lifer, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but just like, but isn't it the case that he tested positive ages ago and they haven't retested? Um, I mean, I I don't want to say that I'm massively up on the story. I'm just massively up on the conversations at work if you're going to come down on one side you should come down on the side gabby sounds like you have have, and we all know which one so (laughs) i think you should (laughs) no one's come down on a side here except you pal i am not on a side i just find it really funny that his owner is going to increasingly hilarious lengths to prevent him from being cold including now she's going to hide him in a field full of identical alpacas oh my god it's genius (laughs) it's the where's wally uh school of it's, it's cool like of getting film. what you want. It's like a film and I but love it. I hope they do make a film or at least a very, very good BBC documentary. I would call it Saving Geronimo. Saving Geronimo. Yeah. Oh, bless and him. And I would probably make it a Nick Park production. Oh, I see. Yeah. Stop motion. Yeah. Mm, I just think it lends itself well to that medium. Well, um, you know, folks, if you do fancy writing in to us to tell us your thoughts on Geronimo... Let you know. Feel free to do so. We don't. Yeah. You know, it's not all IVF around here. By all means, criticize Gabby's stance, but please remember, I've not come down on either side. <laughs> um. Okay. Shall we move on to the show now? Yes. Let's do that. Okay. Um. Today we have. First of all, we have good old Liz. We do have Liz. What's Liz? Uh, agony anting on today. Okay. So she is talking, and it's it's a nice general one for the for the um, end of the series. Actually, mm. she's talking about coping with uncertainty when you're going through IVF. Oh, it, it basically applies to anyone who's listening, because even if you're not doing IVF, you're going through infertility, and it's pretty well, fucking uncertain. Yeah, man. Fuck so, yeah. Yeah. So I would say listen to her, absorb her wisdom. She is um, most wise, and we yeah. are most grateful for her wisdom. Um, so we're pausing, obviously, because we're stopping. There's going to be no more agony aunts. Um, if you have emailed in, and there are quite a few people who have, um, it's likely Liz will get back to you. Yes. Um, so she's had she's had all the emails sent to her. If you haven't heard from her and would like to hear from her, then just give us a little nudge, because yeah. that's probably our just mistake. Nudge. Yeah. yeah um yeah and then we've got like i think probably one of the best interviews we've done this season oh wow big shout yeah i just li- i listen back to it and it's just so good mm. i don't think it's it's us that made it good unfortunately <laughs> are you sure um, yeah. <laughs> no it's katie um, is um is great isn't she yeah she's, she's extraordinary she's a legend, actually so Katie runs an organisation called Chasing Creation and it's all about um, living life childlessly. Yes, so yes, yes. Um, kind of accepting that you are going to live a child-free life. Um, yeah. And we, and had, um, we had quite a, a quite a strong response to Annabelle's interview last week, which is we brilliant because yeah. she is wonderful. And I think everyone probably cried several times mm-hmm. like I did. And Katie is like a, it's like the next chapter to Annabelle's, yeah. I would say, would you? Yeah, I would. And that's why I thought it was quite nice to present them as a kind of duo at the mm-hmm. end of the, at the end of this series. Um, she, I just think she's, I mean, it's such a, it's such a cliche to say, oh, she's so articulate. Yeah. But I just think she articulates certain feelings in a way that not many people can. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also she's uh, quite no bullshit, which I really respect and appreciate. 
Yes, and she's got good lipstick game. Ah, oh, she's got great lipstick game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's just it's a great listen, and yeah. you know, it made me think a lot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she's really lovely. Um, also, during the interview, I am slightly rude about a, a type of Instagram post. Oh yeah. Um, I I can't apologize. I don't like them. Other people like them a lot. So, you know, hey, it's everyone's each to their people, own. Each to their own. I think we've said this before, you know, there's some things that people do on Instagram and that's cool. Yeah. Um, Knock you yourselves know. out. Exactly. I think that's yeah. absolutely fine if that's what you want to do. I, you know, everyone does memes on Instagram, don't they? They do do memes on Instagram. So, you know, I think yeah, it's Yeah, I fine. mean, by all means, go on my Instagram and pick out something you don't like. That's fine too. <laughs> I might do it right now. Yeah. <laughs> just go go and be like, that's you think what I did was creepy? You're creepy because that's of not. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes, I'm creepy too. Um so yeah, so that's the end of the series, and I'm really glad we're ending on on Katie because I just think it was a stellar interview. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's good. And that's cheery, isn't it? Yeah. Um let's uh just say it's you know. We'll be back really soon. These like breaks just fly by. They do. They really do. Um, don't forget, we'll have a newsletter. We're going to bring back the waiting room full time. Yes. Full time waiting room once a week. Yeah. yeah, not full time as in it's our job because no. No. Um, yeah, so it's going to be coming to you once a week. It'll dro- be dropping into your inboxes on Tuesday morning. Nope. Um, if you would like to sign up, please do sign up by going to bigfatnegative.com in the top right hand corner there's a newsletter link and uh of course uh we have to say please buy a book please oh yeah please pre-order yeah the book comes out in january coincidentally will return around that time yes um so yeah i mean you can buy it on bookshop.org if you don't like amazon you can also buy it on amazon um you can Indeed. buy waterstones you can. it's at the moment only available to people in the uk mm, so and it references a lot of uk based stuff so it's it quite uk focused it is quite uk focused um but you know maybe we'll get a publishing contract for the rest of the world we're Who really knows? hoping it's coming it's coming down the track but yeah. we, we don't know yet i think um we have to wait and see but yeah. um we've missed a deadline for the book didn't we emma so maybe it's not going to come out at all <laughs> no one's um, nudged us Oh, maybe it's okay then. We were supposed yeah. to um, well, maybe get our copy, fuck em. copy edits in on Friday, guys, and let's just say Friday came and went, and <laughs> we didn't do it. Probably the first time I missed a deadline in like. No, do, really do you feel like a naughty schoolgirl? I do, but we haven't mentioned it to anyone, and no one's mentioned it to us. Didn't do our homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we um, might actually do that now that we've got a little break <laughs> yes exactly and um, also if you know if you miss us if you're sitting at home you're thinking oh i miss gabby and emma's lovely voices you could write us a review oh you could on apple podcasts because yep. it helps people to find the podcast and also you know it helps us to know how much you love us yeah don't write a mean review no please don't no um sorry if you don't like us but just you know go mm. quietly yeah <laughs> go quietly <laughs> oh dear i don't like to think about people not liking us anyway um and if that's not enough for you you should potentially just follow us on instagram at big fat negative or twitter at big fat negative or of course drop us an email big fat negative podcast at gmail.com or of course, follow me if you want to get in, involved in the jizz. Oh yeah, at BF and Gabby. Or follow me if you want to see stories of me doing smog running. Uh, yeah. BF and Emma. <laughs> yeah, Gabby's Instagram at the moment is uh, sperm health and um, male factor infertility. Emma is jogging on the beach. <laughs> I, I'm actually, you do make me jealous with those posts because I am not jogging on the beach, and well, I'm like, fuck. Every time you do it, I'm like, shit. I need to. Just get running. Let's just say that I woke up on Saturday and was like, I'm going to go for a run. Did not go for a run on Saturday. Woke up on Sunday and was like, I'm going for a run today. Did not go for a run. Woke up this morning and went, I'm going for a run today. Did not go for a run. So what I'm going to do tomorrow is I'm going to put on all my outfits and then I'll have to. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Otherwise I'll just look really silly. 
Yeah, I thought you meant like all of your running outfits. Like I'm going to put on three pairs of shorts, no, two, two or three tops, several bras, <laughs> sweatbands. I just find that putting on the actual running gear is almost harder work than going on a run itself. Well, once you've got it on, you yeah. really just got to get out the door, haven't you? It's just so much lycra. Yeah. It's so tight. <laughs> Not for long if you keep putting it on. Yeah. It's I keep doing anymore. those smug runs. <laughs> um, yes. Okay, everyone. Please have a really great few months. We will we'll be miss back soon. You a lot, but we'll speak we to you through you. The, via the newsletter. Yeah. And loads of love to everyone. Mm-hmm. And happy shagging. And yeah. we love you. <gasps> Enjoy the show. week uh, we've had a letter or an email from a lady called H and she asks any tips for dealing with managing unexpected changes and general uncertainty with IVF and my kind of my main piece of advice I think is just take every single day as it comes which is so much easier said than done and you know there are obviously key points of IVF aren't they you know baseline scan um sort of monitoring scans for follicles or for linings um going in for egg collection things like that and it's really difficult to try and manage your own expectations I think it certainly gets easier the longer you do it because you become very aware and very mindful of the fact that you are not necessarily going to be 100% certain of the outcome. Um, But when you're first starting out, it's very difficult not to kind of get ahead of yourself and, you know, really kind of uh, look forward as opposed to focusing on the current and the now. Um, So I guess, yeah, my main tip, I suppose, would just be try and just focus on every day take every day as it comes um and also as it sounds horrible but nothing certain in IVF so almost going in with like no expectations whatsoever will assist you with a pleasant outcome I suppose that's not even the right word scrap that um going in with no expectations whatsoever will hopefully help you manage whatever happens next. Um, I remember when Nick and I spoke with Becky some time ago, when we were, you know, having our discussions with her about whether or not to go for donor IVF, and we were talking about the sort of two-week wait and the concept of, I think I've mentioned this before, but the concept of kind of feeling positive, feeling negative. Um, And one of the things that she said to me, which I think is really relevant now, is that you're going to feel a certain type of way. That's very it's very Americanism, isn't it? A certain type of way. But you're going to feel however you feel, regardless of how you went in, if that even makes sense. So, you know, for example, if you go into, um, say, an egg collection uh, with no expectations and you get a positive result, you're going to feel amazing. If you go in there with no expectations and you don't get such a great result, you're potentially going to feel sad. So I guess frustratingly, however much you man you try and manage how you're feeling, it's not necessarily going to stop you from feeling that way when you do get that cancellation or that difficult news or that unexpected outcome. Um, and that is one of the real difficulties, I think, with IVF. And I think you mentioned in your email that, you know, we may not want to read this out because it might scare people. But I think actually it's really important for people to understand the realities of of going through IVF. I think, you know, when you first hear about it and you first or you, you know, say you're a friend of someone who's going through it. The assumption is that by going through IVF, you will get pregnant that's not always the case. Unfortunately, the science hasn't evolved to that point yet, and it may never. Um, So I think actually raising that awareness or making people more mindful of those unexpected and difficult outcomes is definitely a worthwhile thing to do. 
Um, I think, you know, you mentioned cancel cycles in your email as well, or, or you know, possible cancellation, they're not. Um, and it's really difficult to know how to protect your heart when you're so invested in something that you have spent weeks um, medicating yourself in order for that to happen. You know, Nick and I have been there a couple of times where, you know, I've medicated for for two, three weeks. Um, And, you know, cycles have been cancelled or we've had no eggs collected and it's devastating. It is devastating. So the other thing I guess I would say is you have to try and make sure that you're strong enough to go through that again because, as I said, it sucks. It really sucks, but there's no guarantees. Um, And, you know, we've learnt time and time again that there is always something that could happen to you that you had not even considered. You know, there's always an outcome or something around the corner that, you know, you hadn't even thought about. Like, we spoke with our consultant in January and the only thing that we were able to tell ourselves for certain was that the chances are we would come off this telephone call having learned something or having received some news that we hadn't even thought about. And that's the only thing that turns out to be true. So it's almost just being able to build up your strength to be able to cope with those uncertainties or thinking about mechanisms to be kind to yourself when those uncertainties occur. Um, I know a lot of people do a sort of pros and cons list for a positive and negative pregnancy test. Um, and I don't, you know, of, of the, not pros and cons, that's not probably the right, not, not the right term, but um, a list of things that they're going to do if they get a positive or a negative test. I don't know whether or not it's an option for you to think about uh, things that you're going to do to uh, be kind to yourself at different stages of your treatment because even and I know even though buying a pair of shoes or going out for a nice meal is not going to take away that sadness and that hurt um, but it's an acknowledgement I guess that a key point has happened or a key point has passed um and in some instances if those key points have been positive then it's a celebration that those key points have come and go um i mean these are all just sort of things off the top of my head to be honest because i yeah i to me when i when these things happen to me i just kept going like some sort of ridiculous and anti-human or unhuman robot because I just that's the only thing I knew how to do was to just put one foot in front of the other and I'm not sure that's the that's the best way to deal with it to be honest but um I think yeah the acknowledgement of the trauma the managing of the expectations and the building up of your strength will hopefully guide you through in a way that gets you to the end and then allows you hopefully to process what's happened because I think for a lot of us that's that's all we can do to be honest um I feel very bleak I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and I'm so sorry that you've had such twists and turns and disappointments and difficulties and I wish I could I wish I could change it I wish I could take it away um but you're not alone and if ever you want to talk I'm I'm available I'm around um and I hope you know I hope you've got your your tribe because I got my tribe to talk to and that makes a huge difference to me just to have that acknowledgement of other women feeling the same way that I have or that I do and uh, I hope that you have that too. Um, so yeah, I I often feel as though I'm not being uh, providing sort of tips. Um, although I guess I have in this instance, but it's almost you know the acknowledgement that 
you know, the way that you're feeling, the concern about getting through it again, the concern about having to deal with all of these twists and turns is, is a very genuine one. Um, and I wish you lots of strength and hope and I am thinking of you and I uh, hope that you take good care of yourself. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So Katie, you're on BFN finally and I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited too. Thank you for having me. So the first thing that we ask everyone is uh, tell us about your journey. Sure. So I'm going to give you the short version because it could be the whole episode. (laughs) (laughs) So the short version is I went through about four years of infertility. And Uh during that time, I was diagnosed with uh, uterine polyps and fibroids and endometriosis. So those were kind of the the triple things going on. My body just wanted to grow everything that it wasn't supposed to. Mm. And uh, so the treatments... Yeah, yeah, it's it's good at growing the things it's not supposed to grow. The growing okay. a baby was yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah, we're not doing that. We've got other priorities. <laughs> Classic. Classic experience. <laughs> exactly. Um, so during that time, I did go through some different treatments. I, of course, went through all the, you know, fertility workups and all that. And uh, I ended up doing one surgery first to remove the uterine polyps because the other stuff wasn't found yet. And that's what they felt like was keeping me from getting pregnant. So Mm. that was the first thing. And then uh, from there, when I still wasn't getting pregnant, they did some um, additional testing and I ended up seeing a reproductive endocrinologist Mm -hmm. and she did one ultrasound and said, oh yeah, I think you have endometriosis because I had endometriomas, which are um, cysts that form in your ovaries. Uh, it doesn't, not everyone with endometriosis has it, but it's related to endometriosis. And mm-hmm. so they're like these blood filled cysts um, that live in your ovaries. And I had them on both of my ovaries. And so <sighs> while you can't get, you have to have a surgical diagnosis to be diagnosed with endometriosis, but from yeah. the scan, she said, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure you've got it because these look like endometriomas. So yeah. Uh, from there, I decided to kind of shift focus a bit because I'd had really severe pain for 20 years that had always oh. been overlooked. And so um, I went and saw an endometriosis specialist and he recommended having surgery for both improving my fertility uh, chances, but also uh, for the pain and mm. to hopefully get some quality of life back. So 
Um, we did, I did an excision surgery that was a four hour surgery. They removed a lot of endometriosis. They removed the endometriomas from my ovaries and they, um, removed the fibroids from my uterus and more polyps. So (laughs) kind of did everything. And then I decided that would be a great time to do IVF, uh, because Mm -hmm. I was told, you know, I had kind of a a clean system right now, so it was a good time for it. So I did one cycle and I did not have any viable embryos from that. And so from there I was deciding what I wanted to do. And it took me about a year to kind of look at my options and meet with different specialists. And ultimately I made the decision to um, have another surgery and put my quality of life first. Mm -hmm. And so I had another surgery for the endometriosis. This one was six hours (laughs) removing that. And it is kind of crazy. And then I had a hysterectomy at the same time. So that kind of put an end to my, you know, trying to conceive years and Mm -hmm. uh, put me on this new path of figuring out what the hell is my life if I don't have kids because I had never really thought about that before. And I mean, going for a hysterectomy is, you know, it's a huge decision. I imagine it's very kind of psychological. Um, Talk me through the kind of decision to do that. Yes. And this is something that I try to be really clear about because the the truth is just that a hysterectomy does not cure endometriosis. So right. I realized people, when they're educating people on endometriosis, will say it's on it's outside of your uterus. And right. I realized people are interpreting that as it's still on your uterus, but on the yeah. outside of it. Yeah, I thought that for years, like until right. <laughs> And it's not, it's not on your uterus, it's in other places. So like in my case, it was on my bowel and my colon and my uh, ureters and my bladder and uh-huh. all over just like looked like my whole pelvic area had been sprayed with it. So wow. um, the gold standard for endometriosis is excision surgery, which is where you have a specialist doctor that's trained in cutting out all the endometriosis lesions wherever they find it. Mm-hmm. And so the hysterectomy was a tricky decision. I try to be really clear about it because I don't want people to think that I was getting it necessarily for the endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Um, but in looking at my options, uh, I was in such severe pain that I could not wear a seatbelt. I was having to put like a pillow in my car to put in front of the seatbelt or mm-hmm. um, I didn't wear jeans for probably three or four years. I wore maternity leggings every day because just having a waistband hurt so much. Um, and this was daily. It's hard to describe the impact it was having on my quality of life and just how much daily pain I was in. Mm-hmm. And so when I consulted with, um, and this was, you know, very highly trained endometriosis expert and um we knew I knew I wanted to do the excision surgery again um but in talking to him about you know if I were just to come to you and say I want my best shot at just having a pain-free life or as minimal pain as possible Mm -hmm. you know what would you recommend and I love him because he said you know I'm not a paternalistic doctor so I'm not going to tell you what you should do but I'll educate you on your options and let you decide what's best for you so um the oh he was great and it's after 20 years of being dismissed for my pain um I'm very wary of doctors so I was I was happy to find him um but he he basically said you know the advantages of a hysterectomy are that you know you're not gonna have to go through your periods and um I did end up having fibroids that had regrown just from my first surgery to the second one which was only a year apart I had pretty large fibroids that had developed again. So it's hard for me to kind of unravel. (laughs) I know. So it's like hard to unravel, like how much of the pain was from the fibroids versus endometriosis. Um, But I would think I was just at a point where I had spent so much of my life in pain that Mm. I was in this place where it was like, I'm kind of willing to do whatever I can to give me the best chance of, of having minimal pain for the rest of my life. So the hysterectomy was one aspect of allowing me to have that. Um, and then, you know, having the excision surgery along with it so that I was removing the endometriosis as well was the other part of that. Has it stopped? Has it helped you with the pain? 
Yeah, I would say I'm probably about 90% in less pain than I was. So it's been just a massive change. And I have kind of daily pain that I deal with, but it's pretty minimal compared to what it was. And it doesn't interfere with my life. So I can plan travel and work trips and hanging out with friends. And I can't think of a time in the last few years where I've had to cancel or change my plans where Mm -hmm. before it was like, I could tell you of hundreds of events or things that I went to where I was just felt like I was about to pass out, but having to get through whatever I was in or having to cancel. So Mm -hmm. uh, my quality of life has greatly, greatly improved. God, that's brilliant. Good to hear. Um, so when so when they were talking to you about this option, did they also talk to you about how you might want to then start a family if that if you did go through the hysterectomy? So that's an interesting question because I I was consulting with a reproductive endocrinologist separately and deciding if I wanted to do a second round of IVF. So oh. I'm was in a very privileged position of having IVF coverage at 100%, including like PGS testing, everything for three rounds. Even I know that's incredibly rare in the US. It is so rare. I I happen to work for like a huge nonprofit that just has really, really good benefits. So I was in this really, yeah, like I said, privileged position of if I had wanted to do two more rounds of IVF, I could have for free. Um, But when I consulted with a new reproductive endocrinologist who was in the new city I was living in, um, he looked at all of my, he looked at my chart, he looked at everything, and he said, we can do another round of IVF, but I don't know that you'll have a different outcome. And I would recommend that you plan to have surgery right after because with your history with you know, all the things that you grow, (laughs) like you can anticipate that this is going to make your endometriosis worse and your uh, fibroids worse, which was frustrating to me because my first reproductive endocrinologist had told me that it would have zero impact on any of that. Um, And then when I talked to my uh, excision surgeon for the endometriosis, he actually said he felt like it was irresponsible with my history for them to have even done one cycle of IVF. And he felt like that is what contributed to me going through that first surgery, feeling really great after, and then having like more endometriosis uh, that needed to be removed. And these fibroids that have they've grown back really quickly within the year between surgeries. Gosh. Um, I just realized I didn't answer your question, though. Um, <laughs> so I answered every other question uh, that you didn't ask. Um, in terms of the family building part, um, I think I was just at this place where I had spent four years, you know, just it, it was just exhausting going through everything that I've been through. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think I had emotionally gotten to a place where I felt done. And so I knew from my own research what options were available. You know, I knew that, I mean, even right now, I have that insurance coverage still. I have an ovary. I could technically do a a retrieval cycle and get Mm -hmm. a surrogate. I could adopt. I could, you know, I could try things. But, and I knew that, I knew what would be available, but I think I was just at a place emotionally and mentally where I was like, you know, I'm I'm done. This chapter of my life is closed. That's really, I mean such a hard decision for you to make did you did you kind of take any I'm just quite interested in your kind of your state of mind like are you being quite methodical about taking steps towards understanding that this is it or are you just going fuck it I cannot do this anymore um no I was pretty methodical I I mean I was seeing a really good therapist and Mm -hmm. I is brilliant (laughs) Yeah. And I'm really big into research. So I knew I had gotten all the numbers, you know, I had, I had gotten my consultations with reproductive endocrinologists to tell me what percentage I would have, like, what's the likelihood that I could get pregnant naturally if I just kept trying and they were giving me less than 1% chance that that would ever happen. And so I was, you know, asking about the IVF. I had like maybe a 15% chance of the IVF working. And it just felt like, okay, I'm, I'm going to rule that option out because that doesn't sound good. And it's, 
it was it was kind of a series of looking at what options I had mm-hmm. and then comparing each of those to what will they take from me? How much will I have to sacrifice to go through that? And is that something I'm willing to do? And, you know, after four years, there's all these sacrifices and tolls that are just stacking up. It's mm-hmm. for me, you know, it wasn't as much financial because I did have the insurance coverage, but it was multiple surgeries and seeing negative pregnancy tests for it's four years. Or, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, yeah. It's money. Exactly. And, you know, being told that the IVF medications were having its hold on my physical health and making that worse, it was just, Mm. it just felt like, yeah, I just, I don't want this to be a part of my life anymore. I don't, I don't have anything left to give to it. And maybe if I had had better odds, you know, if someone had said, hey, if you try IVF again, you've got a 70% chance of it working, that might have felt like enough to make it worth it. But that wasn't what I was getting so it just it just started feeling like the cost of holding on to this dream is costing more than the evidence I have that it's even possible that I'm going to get it if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah mm-hmm. absolutely so you know you've made this decision you've had your surgery what what is the grief like how deep are you in a state of grief at this point Ooh, pretty deep <laughs> um I mean I I had processed I think a lot of it that last year of infertility because mm-hmm. I knew that my options were, you know, getting less and less and that this was looking less likely. And so I think I started processing some of it then, but it was, the grief was profound. It's the mm-hmm. worst I've ever experienced. And it was really misunderstood by pretty much everyone in my life. So it was actually after my hysterectomy that I started chasing creation. I bought the domain name while I was recovering from my hysterectomy because I just knew that the resources and support that I was going to need to get through this didn't exist yet. And I needed to find people who I could talk to who could get it and who understood and could validate what I was going through Um, because my grief was really getting overlooked or dismissed by a lot of the people that I typically turn to for support, or even if they were trying to be there for me, they didn't quite know how to. Mm. Um, so yeah, the grief was really, really awful. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I mean, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, the kind of grief of, of something that never happened rather than grieving someone or, or something you had. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's that kind of that future that you mm. imagined for yourself. Do you still have bad days, do you think, or is it kind of surpassed a little bit? Oh, I absolutely. I had a, a therapy appointment yesterday that was just an hour of crying oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I just did a Disney trip with my family. Mm-hmm. And I'm. It's. I've gotten really good at holding space for joy and grief at the same time. So I don't okay. want to miss out on experiences with my nieces and nephews and you know, having children in my life because it can be painful and a reminder of what I don't have, but I also don't want to miss it. So I definitely have grief and I, I think I always will, to be honest. I think there will always be parts of this experience that are really difficult and challenging and that hit me at unexpected times and really hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But they come less often and they are less deep you kind of advocate for embracing embracing childlessness does that involve you distancing yourself from certain people who for example don't understand your grief or who do kind of push their kids in your face a bit (laughs) um I think it looks different for everybody because everyone's situations and you know their coping mechanisms that they have and all that are so different but for me I think yes boundaries have been a part of it and I think one of the biggest things I've learned is um, there's this quote from Jodi Day who runs Gateway Women. She's she's mm-hmm. kind of like the idol of childlessness because she's been yeah. doing this work in this community for like 10 years. Um, but she said, don't go to the hardware store for milk. And I think that's something I realized is like, it's a really shocking and kind of uh, throws you off your balance when the, the support network that you rely on for other things in your life is not able to show up for you in the way that you need. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to create 
new avenues for connection and support and resources and, and being surrounded by people who get it. Like you need a different community. And yeah. uh, I, I think that it's really important to create that. And the more I've done that and connected with other childless people, the less I feel I need the validation and support from other people in my life because I'm getting my needs met in other ways. And so I think it's about realizing what people are uh, capable of giving or willing to give you and mm. like, you know, recognizing that everyone can't be everything for you. So if you're lacking that support, you might need to build it or find it in other ways. Yeah. You talk about um, kind of creating the life that you love in the positive as the positive side of, of kind of moving on and um, embracing childlessness. How, how long does it take to start thinking and, and kind of believing the positive side? Mm, that's a good question. Um, and the word positive, like, yeah, it's, it's quite a difficult one. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's, yeah, I think it's a fine word to use. I think it's this, I think there's this cons like misconception that you don't have kids, so you create this big alternative life that you can brag about and that looks good from the outside and that shows yeah. that you are doing something worthy of taking space up on the planet because you're not a mom, so what else are you doing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think for me it's more about I lost myself so much during the infertility process and my entire life came to be about that next cycle and ovulation strips and doctor's visits and, you know, this just single minded focus on mm -hmm. trying to create a baby. And during that, you're putting, you're pressing pause on all the other things that made you, you, or at least I did. Maybe other people are able to like balance it better, but um, many people <laughs> it's just hard. It, it yeah. kind of becomes all consuming. So yeah. for me, it was more about, I mean, there you're you're stuck in this wave of grief, right? So then it's not like you can just all of a sudden buck up and create this new amazing life that you want for yourself. You you're now facing uh, potentially trauma and grief from all that you've been through, and trying to process these multiple layers of loss that you've experienced, and um, it is a lot. So I think mm. for me, it's been about trying to just slowly tap into the things that. I put on the back burner and so it could be little things like just re-engaging in friendships that I hadn't mm -hmm. been as active in or um, getting reconnected with hobbies and taking time to read books again that aren't about health stuff and just you know it's little my husband and I have a, a saying that we say to ourselves all the time which is um, the little things are the big things yeah. So for me, it's just been kind of like slowly, like tending to my grief while slowly trying to add back in the things that bring me joy. I suppose find find out who you are without that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like kind of just understanding what does make you happy and and kind of leaning into it. Yeah, and I think like you spend so much time envisioning a future that includes children and what that's going mm. to look like, and it's like how much time have you spent daydreaming or envisioning what your future will look like without kids and mm. you it's like you're built you're you're anticipating a life with kids so you're building around that and during that time you're not you're not building up this alternative vision yeah. of what it can be and so I think part of it is just taking that time to to be like okay I've literally never thought about this in my life I've never thought about yeah. what will look like if I don't have kids I do think that um actually goes really neatly into the next question almost too neatly which is how much of coming to terms of childlessness do you think is about redefining how you think about it I I think that's a lot of it and it's a tough one because I always say it feels like you have to process two different aspects of the experience there's how it impacts you personally so that vision of what did I expect for my life what did I daydream about what what experiences was I hoping to have with a child that that per you know what would they look like my husband how fun would it be to see him interacting with our baby like mm -hmm. these moments that you have that's imagined that's just mm -hmm. 
related to you. The other part that I did not anticipate is that, and I would say this is probably like 70% of what I've gone through, is dealing with like societal bullshit and like (laughs) um, unpacking (laughs) others' expectations and how other people view me because I don't have kids and how other people view me because I went through infertility and didn't have a baby and what that means about me and uh, just the ways that I'm treated or how people interact with me or the ways it's impacted my relationships. Like there is no doubt we live in a pronatalist society. And so when you're not a mom, there's just all this stuff that opens up. That's like, Oh wow. I knew this was going to be hard for me, but I did not anticipate having to deal with all of these like layers of, of yeah. just shit that society is stacking on top of me that now, now I have to wade through too. Yeah, it's like you've got your own brain to deal with. You don't need everyone else's fucking brains waiting as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and I guess this is kind of related to that, is that um, one of the things that always makes me laugh when you bring it up and that also I would like to say drives us insane is the the fertility industries don't give up, look at all the miracle babies message. Mm. Yeah. What I mean, what, what is your response to that? Well, this is a topic I talk about a lot because I have a really interesting relationship with the infertility community because I wasn't a part of it when I was going through infertility. I didn't ever, I didn't look on social media or, you know, forums or anything like that for support. I just kind of went through it on my own and I had people in my personal network that I connected with and I had you know, my doctor is giving me advice and my therapist, but I, I wasn't like involved in the community aspect of it. And so now I have built relationships with a lot of, um, you know, people who are focusing on infertility and running accounts on, especially on Instagram, they're focused mm-hmm. on that. And this, this messaging around never giving up and pregnancy posts or posts of children that come along with messaging of like, this is going to be you next you know, you just keep Mm. hoping, just keep trying. And this is going to be you, you're going to get your baby too. Just keep hoping, just keep trying, just keep spending money. Yes. And (sighs) I think it's, um, it, it kind of takes away our humanity. I feel like to, it's like, if you, if you are perceived as quitting or you don't Mm -hmm. get your baby, then it's because you are just like, a quitter, right? Like you, yeah. you didn't have what it takes to keep going because if you did, you'd have a baby. And I, it's just this whole dismissal of our experiences. And mm-hmm. I, I think about sometimes when I see people post about, here's what I went through in infertility and it's what got me to my baby. And if you really wanted a baby, you, you could go through all this too. And mm-hmm. I think about examples I've seen in the childless community, because I have so many stories now uh, where I can say, yeah, I do know someone who went through that. I do know someone who went through seven cycles of IVF and didn't have a baby. I do know someone who has um, gone through surrogacy and not had a baby. I do know someone who tried to adopt and was uh, was not approved for adoption. And so I think it just, it's really dismissive of the fact that some people couldn't, can do all that they are able or willing to do and not end up with a baby. And that really, that message really counteracts this uh, narrative that if you want it enough and you keep trying, you get it. Mm. It must be, you know, all of, I mean, not, not saying that anyone that does this is bad, but you know, those images of, of a baby surrounded with all the needles and like thousands and thousands of needles. And it, you know, that must have an impact on, on you. If you've had, had the strength and you've, you know, known yourself enough to make the decision to stop trying. And then I suppose when you see things like that, it must be a bit like, oh, I wasn't, I'm not good enough because I didn't try that hard. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I personally have thought about a lot and had to kind of wade through. And my therapist says, you made the best decision that you could with the information you had at the time. And so when I have those moments and I think about what my life looked like when I made the decision four years ago to have a hysterectomy and to not keep trying with IVF, um, I was very depressed. I was having really bad anxiety. I was in severe pain. 
I was so over it. You know, my relationships Mm. were being impacted. It was just taking a toll. And I think back to where I was at that moment, it was like, I did make the best decision for myself and I'm not going to have any regrets about that. And Mm -hmm. I also think it's, it's interesting to me how much of the infertility community focuses on the experience of IVF. Um, Like the American reproductive, uh, American society for reproductive medicine um, says that only 5% of people who experience IVF or sorry, who experience infertility go on to do IVF. So that means 95% of people who are infertile are not, going through IVF, mm-hmm. at least here in the U.S. So I feel like we're also leaving out the that 95%. It's like, where are their stories? And I know I yeah. get a lot of them because in the childless community, I'm the one that hears from the people who said, yeah, I couldn't afford IVF. It just wasn't an option for me. Or I had health conditions that wouldn't allow me to do it or religious beliefs, or um, I just didn't think I could handle it emotionally. And I think that those stories are less likely to get posted and get the attention like as the the needle pictures with the baby in the middle you know they're so creepy can I just say how creepy they are (laughs) like why surround your tiny delicate newborn with fucking needles (laughs) I will say like one really powerful image around this is I don't know if you guys follow Emily who runs the account exercise for cheese fries on Instagram no but that sounds like right name. my <laughs> she's she's incredible but she uh went through new I don't know how many cycles of IVF but a number of cycles of IVF and she's I'm not spilling any secrets because she she talks about this on her account but um she recently just ended her fertility journey without a baby um with this li- last cycle that she did and she did a photo uh, with a letter board in the middle. I can't remember exactly what it says, but sh- it's surrounded by all of her needles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it talks about, you know, that not every not every infertility journey ends with a baby. And it was really kind of shocking to see because those are the stories and the images that we don't see. Like, yeah. it's so much harder to post about what it's like to be childless after you've gone through infertility than it is to post pictures of the baby that came from it because that's the happy ending story everybody wants and wants to reshare and wants to talk about like Yeah. yeah but it's an important counterbalance that kind of should be there I think you know you need to show that that's that it's not the worst case scenario do you know what I mean it's like show people their biggest fear potentially and then actually that you know you're it's absolutely fine and you can find the positives and you can build this life Exactly. To be fair, Katie, you do make it look quite glamorous. I do? Yeah, like you do look quite <laughs> glamorous in all your Instagram posts. <laughs> well, I don't always look like that in real life. It was so funny. I was hanging out with my mom the other day and she said, you look like Chasing Creations today. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, you just look really polished. And I was like, okay. But, you know, I try to go on my stories and uh, and not use filters and not have makeup on all the time and because oh, Instagram, I always. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's curated, right? Like I, yeah. I, I decide what parts of my life I want to share, and I, yeah, I typically have makeup on and whatever. But um, I do also try to share my grief and share the struggle that I have and and the things that are really challenging for me. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting being having an Instagram account, and like people feel like they know you, and I think mm-hmm. because I share so much. I, I try to be really authentic and just share so much of my experience and what I'm thinking about, but it's only related to childlessness and endometriosis. I'm actually quite private about all the other aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, it's just kind of an interesting thing. Like any, any account, you're just getting like a curated version of yeah. what this person yeah. wants to share 100%. with you. Yeah. Curated, yeah. very glamorous. <laughs> um okay katie i have warned you about this so you know you came on voluntarily but we've got a quick fire <laughs> the last, for the last question we've got a quick fire round for you um to help help our listeners come up with responses to really annoying things people say all the time um and i'm gonna do my best like asshole voice <laughs> right yeah actually that. before we get into this can i say one quick thing about it mm-hmm Okay. So, um, 
I would say this is probably the number one thing that I have people ask me about. It's like this and friendships are like the two topics that always come up about like, how do I, how do I navigate this? How do I respond to people? And I actually am just finishing up a mini course right now that I'm going to be putting out that is about responding to intrusive questions and unsolicited advice. Um, So because I knew we were doing this rapid fire, my answers will probably be a little snarky and quippy, but um, I think what I try to think about in this mini course is that it's really hard to come up with these responses in advance because so much of it depends on who you're talking to and your relationship with them and what the situation is. And so I think with this, you know, it's, it's funny to come up with like quickie, like quippy snarky responses that you can give, but um, there's so much to this and it's so layered and complex that I think it is something to think about, like having some canned answers that you can give and putting mm-hmm. some thought into how those may change depending on who you're talking to can really help like so much in navigating these social interactions. Okay. Yeah. And where can they find that course when it's complete and when's it going to be ready? Um, I'm just finalizing it, probably be ready in the next few weeks and um, it'll be on my awesome. website. Right. Brilliant. So the, the person you're talking to here though is a massive asshole. So yeah. Okay. Keep I'm that right. Mind. Right. Keep you ready? Mind. I think I'm ready. I'm scared. Point one. (laughs) Um, Why don't you just adopt? Well, unfortunately, I don't get credit for the four years that I went through infertility. And I don't think that my heart can bear a new process that I have to start at day one. And one that is long and potentially really expensive and comes with no guarantees. That wasn't snarky. That was really sweet. Mm. Mine aren't really snarky. I'm not a snarky person. So actually, yeah, mine are, mine are actually more heartfelt because I, I usually go with authenticity. But <laughs> We don't want you to fake being snarky. We'll accept your true yeah. beautiful I'll, self. Alternative answer, fuck off. Mind your own business. Um, <laughs> question number two. Um, have, you, have you tried IVF? Um, yep, it didn't work for me. <laughs> do you want to do the yeah, voice yeah. at all? Uh, you can borrow my kids anytime you like. <laughs> <laughs> that was... I mean, can my laughter just be the response to that? <laughs> yeah. When people used to say that to me, I used to go, "Oh, do you need me to sign anything?" Or <laughs> yeah, I'll take them right now. Yeah. Yeah, or like I, I know people have said like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll be around to pick them up in you know half hour or whatever." Um, but I, I, you know, I probably in my more authentic uh, voice would probably say something like, yeah, your kids are very sweet, but I was really hoping for my own. Oh, yeah, fair. Because it's like people start to center themselves and their experience. So I feel like that kind of brings it back to like, you're making fun of my grief right now. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, yeah. another thing you could say is, well, okay, if I borrow your kids, you can borrow my grief. Oh, <laughs> oh well, I like yeah, that, that one. Yeah. Oh, that's hot. I like that one. It's quite hot. It's quite sassy. It is. Okay, the next one I've I've put, uh, this is, I mean, this is quite a specific group of parents will say things like this and they'll go, Mm -hmm. well, at least you can get to sleep. Um, Yeah, sleep is great, but I would happily trade it for some nights with a baby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh. Do you want to do the last one, Gap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what will happen now. You'll probably have a miracle baby and get pregnant. (laughs) Well, I don't have a uterus, so that would truly be a Virgin Mary level of miracle conception. And if that happens, I expect to get my own religion out of it. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. We'd all be believers. <laughs> I mean, I can I can be snarky. I would never dare to say some, that to somebody in real life. But I mean, I have told people I don't have a uterus and that really throws them. But then they just say like, oh, but you can adopt. And then I'm like, oh, God. Oh, going down that line. It's like the way that people say these things to you, like you've been through years of infertility, but have never heard of any of them. Yeah, it's like, like it's not occurred to you. What's yeah. IVF? What's adoption? I've never, this is a new concept for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Someone once, when I was in my very, very early pregnancy, this woman said, I said, oh yeah, it's um, it's an IVF pregnancy. Like we had real trouble. And she she said, how long you, were you trying for? And I said, four years. And she went, oh, that's not that bad. Oh. Someone, and I was like, what? Are Ugh. you joking? She was like, someone I know was trying for 10 years. I was like, well, poor them. 
Yeah, I know. That happened actually to me. I saw a new dentist and I don't know why a dentist of all people, like she was looking at my medications and I said something about, uh, yeah, she said, why are you taking this one? I said it was for fertility stuff. And she said, oh, yeah, same thing. Like, how long have you been trying? I told her and she said, um, oh, well, my friend just, you got to keep going. My friend just, yeah, same thing, went through 10 years and just had her baby and It's like this, it's that dismissal of like overlooking your trauma, overlooking your grief. And I think this is one thing that drives me crazy about all this is that the idea that everyone can have a baby or everyone should check off these, like have a checklist of I tried this, I tried this. It assumes that everybody is starting from the same place. And we're not, we're different people. So not all of us are in the same financial situation. We're not all at the same uh, mental health status or, mm-hmm. um, you know, have the same strength in our marriages or, you know, whatever it is, it's like, it just completely overlooks all of that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, do you know what, Katie, I think that's a really good message to end on. Yeah. <laughs> we'll stop throwing abuse at you now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys are mean. <laughs> Thank you so much oh, for coming on. It's been yeah. really fun. It's been lovely. Well, I, I really appreciate you having me. Um, hello again. Hello, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. That was it. I hope you enjoyed Emma's quick fire responses. <laughs> I love that game. It's quite good. I just like the way Katie was really sweet. Yeah, she's a very nice person. That's Is the thing. She... You're not. <laughs> no, I'm not, am I? I think your like wanker voice is really quite it's actually almost too good. Oh thanks. I just wanna it. Yeah, I'm just worried that that's sometimes maybe sometimes you do actually use that voice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Emma, I don't know what you're talking about, Emma. <laughs> is that like your work voice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All my Zoom calls, I'm like, oh, hi guys. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember what, what my wanker voice was. No, now, it's, it's so. a lot like that. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I got it right. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, um, this is goodbye. This is goodbye for now. Yeah. yeah. But we'll see um, you next week in the newsletter because you're all going to sign up immediately, I'm yes. assuming. Yes, you yeah, are. You are. Um, just to remind you, go to our website, bigfatnegative.com. You can sign up there. I will also put a link in the show notes. Yes. Um, but just look, have a great few months. I yep. hope everything goes really well for you all. Yes, we hope um, we hope that you all get pregnant and none of you have to listen to us next time we come yeah. back. Yeah, we hope that next series is just a whole new group of people. Just put us out of a job. Actually, do you know what I'd really like if no one had to listen to us? Well, this is it. I'd like to be out of a job. Yeah, so would I. But if you could just pity buy our book, that would be great. Yeah, in the meantime, that would be great. I guess a memento. Um, And we've got a couple of bonus episodes to watch out for, of course. So Mm. keep it Yeah, of course. Coming soon. Coming soon to a a podcast platform name. (laughs) (laughs) All right, friends. Goodbye. Good luck. We love you all. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.